This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Coming up on the Draft Deck, Albert and I discuss Phenom 5-star guard Jalen Green. We break down his strengths and weaknesses, talk about his volatility, place him on our big boards, we even get into a little prospect tourney talk. All that and more next on the Draft Deck. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, and believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. All right. What is going on, uh, NBA Draft fans? We're back with another episode, a very special episode. Today was a, oh, a yeah. huge, huge day in the NBA. Uh, trade deadline, really big moves, specifically uh, for the Chicago Bulls, my team. Um, today, for in, in, in the episode, we're going to talk about Jalen Green, but I feel like there was uh, some pretty good movement. So let's, you know, you want to, we'll quickly touch on why I'm excited as a Bulls fan. <laughs> uh, so the Bulls, oh, the Bulls acquired Nick Vucevic in exchange mm-hmm. for Wendell Carter and two protected first round picks. Um, I'm sad to see Wendell Carter go, mm-hmm. but Wendell Carter is one of those players that the idea of Wendell Carter better than the actual player, at least okay. through his tenure in Chicago, which is unfortunate, but the reality, uh, he was given a major opportunity this year, couldn't stay healthy, eventually got benched for Thad Young. So the Bulls finally get a pairing. We're committed. We have a direction. We're no longer in a rebuild. There's a real opportunity to really make up some ground in the East with, you know, two all-stars and Zach Levine and Nick Vucevic. Vuce is somebody that I really thought was unattainable. I really didn't think the magic were going to trade him. Uh, It's hard to let go of an all-star, but but pairing offensively fits really well. Uh, I don't think the bulls are done. I think in the off season, they'll not in the draft, but they'll be looking somehow uh, in free agency or trade to add more of a point guard to the roster. Um, because Kobe White has not turned out to be a point guard. Still believe in him, but but not not a point guard. Um, actually, I think I who we're going to talk about or touch on later in the episode when we break down some of the NCAA tournament guys. One of the one of the guys we're going to touch on kind of reminds me of Kobe in a, in some ways. So I'll I'll bring that up later. But I'm just really excited as a Bulls fan. Uh, we picked a lane. Uh, you know, the Bulls went through a lot of years where they were in the playoffs consistently. And it, you get to a point as a fan where you want more and mm. you take for granted what good quality basketball looks like. Mm. And even if this this roster never wins a championship, championships are hard to win, man. Yeah. Roster is definitely closer than one that is leaning on guys like Chandler Hutchinson, mm-hmm. Wendell Carter and Kobe White to and to make this leap that they're probably not capable of making. 
So right. losing two draft picks, and I mean, this is a draft show, so touching on, <laughs> you know, losing two draft picks, um, although protected one through four. So, you know, good protections in case something bad happens or in maybe something good happens if they were to uh, <laughs> move into the top four yeah. uh, for a second straight year. But it's hard to part with that. But sometimes, again, the idea of draft picks could be better than the actual draft picks, especially once you get out of the top five in this draft where it's a crapshoot. So I can't blame the front office. I like that they're being aggressive. It's something that old regime never would have done. Um, and it's good to have something stable. You know, being a, a draft analyst, it's it's fun because I could still have fun scouting prospects through uh, this podcast and and my YouTube channel. So I'm not like out on the draft, even though we traded out of it. Um, right. So there's still it's still gonna be exciting months ahead for me. I'm expecting the Bulls in the playoffs. Maybe they even find a scenario where they match up with one of the New York teams. I don't know. Anything could be possible at this point. Um, and then I can possibly get tested, or maybe if I finally book a vaccination appointment, maybe I can mm-hmm. go to a game live. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the deal for Chicago? Dude, I well, first off, I, I was surprised you didn't mention the blockbuster of uh, Javale McGee going to the Nuggets. I thought we were <laughs> going to start there, you know. Uh, yeah. But all kidding aside, dude, I it, it was, it, man. I in my mind, I thought the Bulls really won the trade deadline with the moves that you know they made. Um, you and I were texting about it earlier today. I'm huge on Troy Brown. I, I love yeah. love Troy Brown. Like in in the same way that Bruce Brown has moved to Brooklyn and he's really blossomed there. I freaking love Troy Brown because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. And uh, I, I just think he's he's such an underrated pickup for you guys. The Vooch pickup is huge. Like, I mean, yeah. talk about a pick and roll, pick and pop partner for Zach Levine. And we've seen Zach Levine grow so much as a pick and roll ball handler. And to think about him doing that with Vooch is going to be so exciting for you guys. Um, for Hey, the Bulls are back. I, it, 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 yeah. That, there, there's not much else to say. The Bulls are back. Um, I thought, hey, the buzzer beater deal that you guys made in sending uh, Wagner for Tice, I thought that was pretty smart. I mean, Tice is not really smart. Like some, yeah, he's not some like unbelievable rim protector, but you lost Gafford. And to bring in Tice, I thought was a great replacement. Um, You and I have talked about it before how much I I like Gafford, but like you mentioned, Corey, I think. Yeah. I like Gafford as a player prospect. Mm -hmm. The minute that he decided to wear the the captain's number, number 12, (laughs) Captain Kirk Heinrich. I was completely out on him as a player. Okay. Completely. That's that's fair. That was number number one and number 12. (laughs) There has been an unwritten rule Mm -hmm. about not taking them. And I knew that this this guy was not a Chicago Bull at heart (laughs) when he couldn't even dig you know, a little bit back into the history of the team Mm -hmm. to appreciate what Kansas's multiple final four appearance, Mm. lockdown defensive sharpshooting (laughs) point guard (laughs) did Uh, for the Chicago Bulls franchise. (laughs) Hey, really quickly, um, going back to those those days, I was always – a huge believer in Nick Collison. And if Nick Collison didn't get hurt that summer after he got drafted, I think his career might've looked a little different, but I I hear you. And also one more thing, Corey, I wanted to say 
you talked about, you know, giving up the draft picks, whatever. Yeah. Here, look, I I think the way that the NBA works is sometimes you have to give a lot to get a lot. And, you know, for you guys to bring in Vooch, you got to give a little bit, you know? And I think if you consider the timeline and the growth of your guys, as you mentioned, I was a little surprised you guys moved Wendell Carter, all the... All the smoke was about, you know, potentially Laurie Markkinen being moved. And, mm-hmm. hey, maybe that happens this summer. Maybe it's a sign-and-trade type of thing. Uh, who knows what might happen. But, once again, I, I think it's a huge upgrade for you guys to bring in Vooch, to bring in Troy Brown, bring in Daniel Tice. It, it's in one day, the 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 face, I mean, sorry, the complete look of your team has completely changed. And so has the potential and the window. So, I, I'm not a Bulls fan, but I'm excited for you, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, the the Magic did really well. They did really well yeah. themselves. You know, if you're going to get rid of a guy like that, they got a good amount of assets. I mean, they unloaded, you know, the whole clip. You know, getting yeah. rid of Gordon and uh, Fournier. Fournier. Yeah, they. I, I a little surprised that uh, Terrence Ross I didn't get moved because yeah. I, you know, he's he's not a lot of money and he he could definitely help a, a contender. And if you're going to get rid of everyone you might as well really maximize it and get rid of everybody but uh all right that's enough about the chicago bulls and the orlando (laughs) magic (laughs) Um, big day today we're talking about jalen green uh jalen green five-star recruit number one overall uh preseason ranking by espn three-time gold medal winner uh, first player to commit to the g league experiment with the g league ignite team 6'6", 180, scoring bucket shooting guard. Uh, I think there's probably a little bit of debate about his actual height being 6'6". We'll see. I don't know. Uh, We'll see if he actually measures out at a combine setting or whatnot. But uh, finished with averages 18 points a game, four rebounds, three assists, true shooting percentage 61%. Put up 37-5 in the Ignite's lone playoff game. A uh, quick note on the true shooting percentage. I'm not sure how they calculated it because mm. in the G League, when you went to the when you drew a free throw, it was one shot for, for two points. For two points. So I don't know how the math works on that. Um, mm. Maybe somebody smarter than me can uh, <laughs> let me know. But either way, he was efficient, as efficient as you know any of the other scoring guards in in the g league throughout the bubble um so has jalen green risen has he stayed the same or has he fell on your board after this this performance hey he's he's flying high man jalen green is flying up my board like he rises for his jams man i he he, (laughs) unbelievable dude like okay Corey, i made it a point to watch his first game today I went back, watched the first game against the Santa Cruz Warriors, mm-hmm. and I I was just laughing by myself. Like I was just thinking about all the crap that people were saying on Twitter. You know, oh, are we sure this kid can score? <laughs> blah blah blah. And it was his first game as a, a professional athlete, and I watched that game, and it wasn't even that bad. And as you mentioned, in his last game, he put up thirty-seven and five. He's flying up my boards to the point where I, we'll talk about this later. I'll, I'll get to it, but he. He's really freaking high up my board, and I love the kid. And I'm so excited to talk about him today. Yeah, he was a riser for me as well. I mean, look, he was – I think he's pretty much a consensus top five guy on everyone's board coming into the, the season. Even before the G League bubble started, I think most people had him in that top five group. 
so it's not like he's one of these guys like, you know, last episode we touched on Kispert who went from being unranked on most boards or in the second round to now he's a projected lottery pick. And on some boards you look at, he's possibly top 10, you know? So it's not like he made some mass jump, like, like a guy like Kispert did. However, once you start getting closer to that number one pick, those jumps do make, I think a substantial difference when you, even if you're moving one spot, two spots. And for me, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think Jay, he either moved two or three spots. I, you know, I, I never really had anything concrete, but uh, he was a riser for me. I was, I was blown away watching his games, uh, putting together his film sesh was one of the more fun film sessions I've ever done because mm. to me, there wasn't a whole lot of bad. It, it just every game I watched, I mean, you know, you touched on it. He struggled in the first game. People mentioned, uh, you know, he, he can't even blow by Nico Mannion. How's, you know, all that stuff. But after that, it was just like, all right, jitters are out. And athletically, nobody could fuck with me. Like that was right. the mindset, you know, like he just popped. Like, I, and, you know, I, this episode's not about Kaminga, but watching Kaminga, mm-hmm. there were times he just, didn't pop the same way, right. you know, and that, you know, and he popped big time the first game, you know, that mm-hmm. first game people watch that. They're like, wow. Cause he really played well. And he definitely had moments where you were like a guy this size hitting tough shots like that, you know, very good footwork. How much experience does he have still very young? Mm-hmm. So it's not like Kaminga, I think dropped massively, but for me, like, yeah, I just mentioned you move down one spot, up one spot. It's a massive difference when you're talking about the top five spots, especially in a draft like this, where yep. this is one of the most anticipated top fives that we've had in years. <sighs> right. Years. You know, we've had no brainer number ones and number twos, Jaw, Zion. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even RJ was uh, really heralded and he is straight balling out. I mean, that top three yes, is, is, is really going to work lately. Um, to have five guys like this, it's it's been quite a while. Um, yeah. So let, let's uh, get into Jalen's game. Uh, strengths, mm. athleticism off the charts. Off mm. the charts. I mm. Like I said, he popped. His, his blow-by ability is unbelievable. His first step. Dang. Wicked, wicked. I, I mean, it's you cannot, if you're not pushing him to his left, if you let him get to his right, you're not saying in front of them. Mm-hmm. You just aren't. You know, it, I mean, there are only going to be a handful of defenders, even at the NBA level, mm-hmm. that could stay in front of them. I mean, the, the fact that this kid, he's playing professional basketball. You know, the G League is a professional right. basketball league. He's not playing against college kids and showing this blow by ability. And granted, G League professional NBA offenses, you're working with more space on the floor. Right. So that certainly helps. Um, I mean, he's playing against professionals. So, you know, that's the, <laughs> to, for him to look elite, um, it was special. You know, there's not many guys like him. And uh, I mean, above the rim, the speed, you know, there are guys that have one, but not the other. Right. He's got both. He's got the speed, the outrageous speed and, and the above the rim ability. I, I mean, how many guys can you think of that, that move like him? 
you know, I, I, it's a, it's a hand uh, buckets. <laughs> the guy is a bucket. He's a scorer. He's a scorer, and he makes tough shots. He'll right. Take tough shots, but he makes them. Man, hand in his face. I mean, and and not as a chucker. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that word's going to get thrown around with him. Yeah, early on, uh, especially if he struggles early on, it's being thrown around with Anthony Edwards, um, and and those comps are going to be inevitable. But as you see, even Anthony Edwards has really come on as of late. Yeah. So he'll when he has those games where he's like five for sixteen, uh, you know, he goes to a Detroit or something, and you're just like, let's get let's get this guy those on ball reps. He's going to have those games, and I really felt like in the bubble. You know, under with the team, he I thought he played with the in, within the team, and I thought that he had a nuanced shot selection. You know, mm-hmm. you break out every now and then, but but who? What good scorer doesn't break out of that offense and try to get theirs every now and then? You know what I mean? Um. So, and then I really, really loved his on-ball defense, and and this to me, his on-ball defense is the most underrated part of his game. Because I still see scouting reports talking about how he gets lazy on that end or mm. he loses focus. And mm. maybe I just didn't watch those games. But from everything I watched, this dude's locked in on defense. Mm-hmm. He's locked in. And it was like that in the U19s, the FIBA U19s, where mm. he wasn't a featured scorer on that team. That team was stacked. I mean, Suggs, Mobley, Jalen Green, Cade, Tyrese Halliburton, Reggie Perry, Scotty Barnes, uh, I'm fr- Tyra Lewis Jr. I, just absolutely stacked team. And he was not a featured weapon. And he played a little bit like a role player. And mm-hmm. his defense really stuck out to me on, and on and off ball in the U19s. And I think that that all defense translated um, mm-hmm. for the G League. And he uses his athleticism blow by above the rim. And then his lateral movement is special, man. Like defensively, he, he moves his feet so well. He, like he, he competes. All you could ask is that these guys compete on, uh, on defense and he forces guys into tough shots. The, the whole objective of the ignites defense was to force guys sideline baseline. Um, and, he's able to do that. I, he was really disciplined. I thought I, I just, I was blown away by him as a defender. Now, am I saying he's going to be Kawhi Leonard? No, no. you know, like he's going to be guarding guys like Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, all these guys that were going to make comparisons um, to him. But, you know, just making those kind of guys work and forcing them into what you want to do as a defense. And it's going to be a whole nother level next year, but in the G league, he really was able to do it. And he made guys take mm-hmm. tough shots and he did everything you wanted him to do, def- right. you know, defensively as, as an on-ball defender and uh, quick hands active. I I was truly impressed. And, and I hope that he doesn't get one of those, like just one way, player i don't i hope he doesn't Mm -hmm. enter with that reputation um because you know once you get that reputation it's hard to shake it like how many guys who have who started with that reputation have changed minds right or wrong Mm -hmm. you know um so i hope he doesn't because i i was really impressed by his his defense i I think that anybody uh who is you know 
just going in with pre preconceived notions about this kid because of the archetype yeah. that he represents mm -hmm. needs to just get rid of him um, because he could be a really helpful guy on that end. Um, yeah. Not Kawhi, you know, not <laughs> one of those guys, not Jimmy Butler. I don't think he has the frame for that, you know, yeah. and I think that he'll struggle uh, guarding up a position, you know, it, I, he, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I, I, I just, I just wanted to kind of address some of the stuff that you brought up. I yeah. think, um, do the athleticism, as you mentioned, it's world class. It's world class. Like it's, it for me. You know, I, I know you're going to compare him to Zach Levine a lot, but I mean, when you watch the way that he runs and jumps and moves on the floor, it's hard to not envision Zach Levine coming out of UCLA. It, it, it really is similar. You know. Um, it, it's unbelievable. The tough shot making, I, I agree with you. I, I think, as you mentioned, sometimes, like, you know, those guys, you, you play the YMCA or you play, you know, in intramurals or, you know, I, I played in intramurals in college. I was never good enough to make the team, but, you know, we played in intramurals and they're just some of those guys who are way more comfortable shooting with a hand in their face. And, yeah. um, you know, it, they're just kind of like that. They're wide open, they clank it, but with a hand in the face, they're going to make it. I, I wouldn't go that far with Jalen Green, but I would say, like, He's just one of those guys who are comfortable shooting the ball with a hand in their face. And I think that's something that is hard. You can't really teach that, I think. I think it's something that, like, you're kind of born with. Maybe I could be wrong, but he's just so natural at it and so good at it. I did want to highlight a couple things that you talked about because I was watching the, um, the when the Ignite were playing the Austin Spurs. And mm -hmm. I think where people are getting at, Jalen about his like his his lapses in defense I think that really is nit nitpicking because there was a moment in the second half against the Austin Spurs where he got beat back door right and mm -hmm. so I think like if you're one of those you know if if you're like us and you're breaking down tape you can be a little harsh on those moments and be like oh look at that like he wasn't locked in he wasn't whatever but they were up by like 25 30 points at that point and you mm -hmm. might say like yeah he should still be locked in but Hey, it's a blowout, number one. Number two, he's 19 freaking years old. And yep. you can't just take that one moment and let that def define the full picture of who he is as a defender. I am 100% on your side, Corey, because when you watch him work, the way that he gets into stances, the way that he really moves his feet well, the way that, as you mentioned, he's engaged and he's not afraid of the challenge. You even see him sometimes off of switches. You see him competing with, with bigs. And as you mentioned, yeah, he's he listed at 6'6", six, six, right? He's listed at 6'6", six, six, but he may not even be 6'6". Six, six. Um, he's listed at 180 pounds. He might be 145 pounds with how skinny he is. <laughs> but for me, it's the, the amount of work that he puts in and the engagement that, as you mentioned, I hope he doesn't get pigeonholed into some kid who's just a scorer, which is a huge reason why, for me, he's shooting up my boards and my board and also... Another thing, you mentioned the off-ball ability, spot shooting, cutting, whatever. That stuff is great. Yeah. But even on the ball, the stuff that he does in the pick and roll, right? right When the defense mm -hmm. is in drop coverage, the center yep. doesn't come out. His patience, right? Yep. A lot of what I love that Emmanuel quickly does for our Knicks right now, over that, once that screen comes and he's, he's starting to go downhill... I love how patient he was. He wasn't he wasn't always trying to force things. He wasn't always just like taking wild, crazy drives. I, I thought he was really, really good. And also some of the passing, when you when you watch, some of the passing is great, is actually yeah. really, really good. I, obviously, he's not a Lamelo, he's not a Luca. But my thing is, if you've got a guy who's a tough bucket getter, who's a freak athlete, 
and he can do all the other things that you would hope that he can do even a little bit at 19 years old, you get him into a good system with good coaching and good players around him. Are you kidding me? Like I, I, so Corey, I 1000% endorse everything that you said. And I'm, I'm head over heels for the kid, dude. Yeah. I, you know what his passing, his passing was impressive as a first read passer. Right. You know, like the weak side stuff. Yeah. There were times that, you know, where he's trying to make a little pocket pass. It goes off somebody's foot and whatnot, you know, but he was bringing the ball up the court and initiating offense. And look, I, he's not a guy that is going to be your initiator at the next level. Um, But he is going to be a guy that sometimes is, you know, he'll be Mm -hmm. the secondary. So I thought that, you know, he had a, positive assist to turnover ratio, not mind blowing by any means, but I thought that he showed better passing chops than I think some people might've envisioned because he struggled with that in high school and AAU, Mm -hmm. you know, he really didn't do like, he he wasn't that impressive as a passer. He still had a lot of game, you know, tough shot making, all that stuff. And, uh, and defensively, he, sometimes he would disengage in high school, but as a, as a passer, he he wasn't very good, and, and this year he was, and you could see practicing with Jarrett Jack and Bobby Brown, right. and you know, really veteran guys every day. Amir Johnson and getting coached by NBA coaching Brian Shaw. Mm-hmm. You could and playing with within an NBA offense and with guys who were you know uh, on his level as, as a talent. Like that was really beneficial for him. Right. Um, you know, you touched on because I don't really think I got into his off-ball ability much in my little, my little rant. I, I love that he could play off-ball. So mm-hmm. you know, let's say he does go to, uh, you know, Detroit and he's playing in a backcourt with Killian Hayes. Like mm. he could play off-ball and let Killian, you know, play make for him a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you go to OKC because. SGA is going to be out for a while, apparently, right? If he goes to OKC, you pair him next to SGA. Like he could let SGA cook and spot yeah. up. And and one of my favorite things, his cutting is so fun. And it's yes. always something he's been good at. And it's not something that every ball dominant archetype, you know, shooting guard is good. At. Um, and he's he's a natural at it. He just has a really smart way of creating angles for himself to free himself from from the defender and willing, uh, he's willing to right right he's not lazy and just you know right. you can run him off motion you know the same way like th- he really does have a lot of guys that you know the people also bought guys the zach levine mm-hmm. bradley beal devin booker donovan mitchell you could see all of these guys pieces in his game i mean we're talking about the pace and the patience that he had in the pick and roll and coming yes. off and putting guys in. that's bradley beal I mean, Bradley Beal with, you know, Bradley Beal's not really looking at all that much in those scenarios, but <laughs> he's able to get to his spots, snaking screens and, you know, playing with little hesitation, mm-hmm. all that stuff. You know, and and Jalen does that. You know, he has a lot of those nuances for guys that doesn't, that don't have his athleticism. Right. You know, he still has a lot of those same nuances of the below the rim guys, which is, uh, that's Scary. special because a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are incredibly athletic, and this is one of the things that Zach Levine struggled with early on. You see it mm-hmm. in a guy like RJ Hampton, who's just faster than everybody. <laughs> you see it in young in young Russ, you know, these guys who are, I'm just going to go through you and over mm-hmm. you. 
Mm-hmm. And and it takes a while until you actually figure out, you know what? What if I just play slow? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what if I what if I only used my athleticism situationally instead of trying to go 100 miles an hour the entire time? That's, you know, yeah. and, and I, I'm not saying that he doesn't have those moments too. You know, of yeah. course, especially uh, areas he needs to improve. I, we can go, you know, into that. Like going left, he's he really struggles making mm. decisions on when to pull up in the little mid range, when to get to mm. a floater, when to attack the hoop and finish with his left hand. I think that is left. He's not as com- nearly as comfortable finishing with his left hand, uh, mm. and you know, because he's not nearly as cus- comfortable finishing with his left, he doesn't really know what to do in those other spots. Um, mm-hmm. So he, that's an area where, you know, he does have those moments where you look at these young guys who are just supremely athletic and you go, Oh, that's what that looks like when it doesn't go right. But when he can mm-hmm. get to his spots and, and just the things he was doing at his age, I was, I was really, uh, really impressed. Um, let's talk about some other things he needs to improve on. Yeah. Uh, a guy, his, with his athleticism didn't get to the line a whole bunch. Yeah. Now, now again, I, I, I'm not exactly sure like how the free throw attempts actually works out, how they count it. Um, be like we mentioned, you know, shoot one to for two points, right. or I think even three. If you get fouled for three, I think it's one for three. Um, <laughs> but so I don't know how they counted that as attempts per game. You know, do mm. they count it as two, or do like do they weigh it, or I, I don't know. But he didn't he didn't get to the line as much as you'd like for somebody yeah. with his speed, his athleticism. Mm-hmm. I think part of that, because I don't think he's afraid of drawing contact either. Like I don't think mm-hmm. he's afraid to go in somebody's body, but you see it a lot. Like even young Derek Rose, another guy who maybe one of the most underrated athletes, you know, athletes to ever play in the NBA because of the injuries. Uh, you know, I, I I'm of the camp. If you're going in the the Derek Rose versus Russ athlete for athlete debate i am going to bat and not just because i'm a bulls but just because mm-hmm. it wasn't just the speed it wasn't just the leaping ability right i don't think i it's hard to compare and really many people with Derek's ability to do all those things but also change directions and mm-hmm. cut and stop on it there's so many things that he did athletically that i was just like i don't know if we'll ever see this again where I can envision somebody with Russ's speed, Russ's power coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russ was, I mean, obviously a special, special athlete. Right. Um, but Derek, man, Derek was, was super special, but Derek did a lot of the same up and under moves. When you mm-hmm. get up in the air, you try to score and avoid contact. And I think when Jalen grows in his body, gets in a weight room, mm-hmm. I think it'll help him be like, all right, I could take a beating. I can get to the line. You look at all the guys that are high scoring point per game cards, and they're all guys who get to the free throw line. Yeah, you know, you, you have yep. to get to the free throw line. That's eight, I mean, ten the, times. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, you get if you get if he if Jalen Green ever finds himself getting to the free throw line ten times a game, he's a thirty point, thirty two, thirty three point per game score. I mean, that's yeah. that's a scary thought. He's a long way away from that a long mm-hmm. ways away from that right um because most of those guys you see those flashes early 
you know, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, even in college, when he was a guy who was the 30th pick in the draft, his free throw rate in college was was crazy. And that translated. Yeah. You know, obviously, James Harden had, had an abnormal, you know, free throw attempt rate. Um, so I don't think that Jalen's a guy that's going to get to 10, 8, 10, you know, maybe 8 if you're lucky. But I, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that gets to like the five, six, seven range. I think that's where he'll ultimately top out. Um, but mm. even still with that, you're going to be, you know, that's where Zach Levine's at. And he's almost at 30 right. points a game this year, you know? So it's not the end of the world, but he does need to get better at that and, and get that, that free throw rate up. Uh, mm. We touched on the advanced playmaking, the, the playmaking, mm. hitting the, hitting the roll man in stride. It's a great first step, but, mm. but guys like Devin Booker, and and Zach Levine to a lesser extent, um, mm. and I think Donovan Mitchell this year too. Right, I think Donovan Mitchell this year too is taking a little bit of leap as a playmaker. They're able to hit the the weak side. The weak side opens everything up as a passer, and we talk about it from a guard perspective. But you know, if if you're a shooting guard and you can make that happen, or you know, the small forward, the Luke, uh, the Cade, that kind of guy, you see it. Jason Tatum starting to make it a little bit now. Mm-hmm. That weak side pass opens up everything because that's how you get the def- you know the defense is scrambling and and scrambling mm-hmm. leads to you know ball movement and open shots. Uh, it, that's how you make all your teammates better. It's just you overload one side of the defense and hope that they can't make that that swing pass that skip pass. Yeah. Um, so he's got to do that. Uh, but uh, and you talked about like him getting beat back door defensively. Look, sometimes off ball defense is hard. Um, yes. but when it clicks, it clicks and mm-hmm. he had his positive moments, just like he had his negative moments. And you could look at the negative and, and say, he's not engaged. And I disagree because mm-hmm. you're not in the right spot. Doesn't mean you're disengaged, right? It, you know, that's, that's being the wrong spot is a teachable thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's harder to fix the losing focus part of it. You know, that yeah. could just be a mindset and, and that, how, that, how do you fix that? That's coaching. Yeah. It's so many things you can't that are harder to control than just being like, "Hey, you're standing, you know, one foot in the paint on the weak side. You need to get under the hoop." And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I don't remember if it made it in. I think it did. You know, when I was editing the the Jalen Green um, film session with Mike Schmitz, you know, he mentioned going through in the, his practices how he is growing as an off ball defender. You know, they mm-hmm. Mike showed him uh, a clip from high school where he was, he wasn't even in the paint on the weak mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And then he showed him a clip in practice where he was right under the hoop in the right spot. And he didn't go mm-hmm. and chase his man when his man flared out to the weak side corner, stayed home mm-hmm. because you can, you know, if the ball skips, you'll close out there. You'll get yeah. there. That's it's not, it's a short enough distance to you know get a good closeout if you're going to make that crazy pass. So mm. it's not like the progress isn't there. And mm. you know you get thrown into the bubble. It's his first action in however long. I, I think that over the course of a season, he's going to look bad because rookies look bad typically on defense. You know, even you know Patrick Williams is who's a defensive guy. That's his mm. calling card this year as a rookie, right? He's not. A very, he's not the best help defender he, that he's going to be. He struggles mm-hmm. on that end sometimes. So it's it, it's going to be a struggle, and it's going to look bad at times. But there's mm-hmm. also going to be flashes. And you want as a rookie, you want flashes. And I thought he showed those flashes, but it it certainly wasn't on the strength side. You know, right. he, 
moments, positives for sure. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I could say shot selection, but I don't think he broke out of it too much. I, you know, sometimes you're going to take shots that are hard defense, you know, really clamps up guys stop moving shot clocks winding down. You're going to have to take some of those tough shots. You know, that's the difference between a guy like him and somebody that you're going to end up drafting, you know, in the twenties, right. Right. You're, you're going to be tasked and with different responsibilities and, uh, it'll reflect in their percentages and you'll be like, Oh, this guy's so efficient. And then, you know, we drafted him at pick 25. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you look at this, I'd be like, Jalen's a little bit less efficient, but you know, the responsibility and the context matters. Right. So it'll happen, but I'm, I'm not concerned with it. I don't know. All right. What, what did you see as far as weaknesses uh, I, I, from Jalen? Yeah, dude. I think the first thing that I wanted to touch on was what you talked about with the shot selection. I, I Hey, look, they were relying on him to do that. That was his role to take those tough shots, to be, you know, one of the main guys. They put him in there to be a bucket getter. And sometimes, you know, for you to score, you have to shoot. So Mm -hmm. I I think that's a huge misnomer that gets thrown around, not just for Jalen Green, but a lot of times for a lot of different players. It's like, hey, if if that's what the team needs, right, and that's what the coach wants, then of course he's going to shoot the shot. And sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't. That's basic basketball. So I think that's silly. Um, The one thing that I did notice that you didn't mention – the, the communication part. So I, one thing that was cool about the G League bubble was I think like their parabolic mics or whatever were like really mm. close to the court. And so I was watching, oh, I forgot who they were playing. It might have been the Westchester Knicks uh, when um, uh, the G League and that were playing them. But there were a couple possessions where you could like really hear Jared Jack talking on the court and he's <laughs> like calling everything out. Yeah. And there was one play where <clears throat> off of like a off of a, a DHO, you know, there was a, there was a little bit of a lack of communication between Jalen Green and the big. I don't remember who the big was, but in that moment, I saw that I was like, oh, you know, that's something he can work on. You know, a little bit of more talking, a little bit more communication. But is that like something to look at and be like, oh, he's not a top three pick anymore? Heck no, that, that's silly. No. You know, that that's something you can teach something you can work on. Jared Jack is 37 years old. I'm sure Jared Jack wasn't talking that much when he was 19, you know? And so (laughs) as I was like, you could, you could actually hear it because their mics are so close to the court, but I was hearing that. I was like, Hey, that that's cool. I think it's really good that Jared Jack was doing that. And I'm sure that was a part of his responsibilities to call all that stuff out. But that's something that Jalen Green can work on. And I'm sure he will, you know, I, I think that is something that he definitely could, because I think, as we've talked about, the defensive ability is there. I think even the acumen is there. He seems like a smart kid who, as we we mentioned, he just got better as the bubble went on, which in itself tells you a lot about his character, his work ethic, his ability, everything. You know, And so yep. I watched that and I was like, this is freaking awesome. And I think once he gets to the league too, he's going to be really great. And some something that I was thinking about, Corey, and this might be a hot take, I'm not sure, but I wanted to throw this out you to see how you feel. I think a lot of people are going to put Jalen Green side by side with Cade, and they're going to you know compare their their strengths and their weaknesses or whatever. I was actually thinking that if we look at it long term, big picture, I think it'll actually be really really interesting to see how his career compares to Keon Johnson from Tennessee because their physiques are not like crazy different. And when I watch Keon Johnson attack the rim, there are some similarities because Keon, his athleticism really pops too, especially when he's going to the basket. I would say at this point, Keon's a better defender, but 
Jalen Green's going to get better as a defender too. And I think the real question here is, will Keon ever get to Jalen's level as a scorer? I mean, I'm definitely leaning no, but in terms of like their physiques and the positions they're going to play. And I mean, obviously I think Jalen Green's going to see the ball more in his hands, but I think if you're a GM and you're drafting in the top 10, I think you might take a chance on a guy like Keon Johnson with the hope that he might be able to develop into a more, into a more advanced, you know, shot creator, shot maker and things like that. And if that happens, I think it might be more interesting to compare those two because I see more Cade more as like, a big uh, a big point guard you know six eight point guard who yeah. is you know he's gonna facilitate and do all that stuff but i just want to throw that at, at you because i think it, it could get a little interesting there well your point about keon you know if you're drafting him you're taking a bet that the defense you know you know that's going to be the calling card but you're you're making the the jimmy butler bet that <laughs> the prayer <his laughs> offense you know yeah and jimmy's a psychopath who literally right. moved a play you know a a home in the middle of nowhere without internet with his buddies and didn't allow them to you know use the internet and just train for hours and hours and hours on end he's an outlier but that was the bet with Isaac Okoro too right for Cleveland you're like okay well we know that this guy is going to be a monster defender and as far as rookies go he's been very good on defense I mean the, the Bulls just played him and he was given Zach Levine the business at, at times, you know, and so that's, strong. that's no, e- it's no easy task. Uh, and he's only going to get more frightening on that end. And that's going to be, I mean, who knows what long-term Cleveland's roster is going to look like, but if you get Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro as your, your kind of two lockdown mm-hmm. defensive guys, that's, that's a good start um, with guys like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are certainly going to need it. But that's the bet with Keon is that, you know, you're hoping that, just baseline you know you're going to be able to play him and keep him mm-hmm. on the floor and and just hope that the offense comes around a little bit uh, right. you know the, the thing you mentioned with with Keon is that you hope that he learns it whereas mm-hmm. it's natural for for <laughs> Jalen and that's the difference you know that's why yeah. it's so impressive it's you know uh Dame Dame Lillard is you know one of the hardest workers around but you could tell that it's natural that he's a scorer. CJ McCollum is a natural scorer. You can't be as smooth as some as guys like that and not have some kind of innate thing, you know, and it doesn't take away the the hard work at all. Uh it's just that there's gotta be something innate. Jamal yeah. Crawford, there's there's Oof. an innate ability with his handle. Kyrie Irving, there's an innate ability with it with the handle and the body movements and yeah, you train for it and you work hard and you mm-hmm. practice and you practice and you practice and you hone in your craft. But there's a lot of guys that could work as hard and practice as hard yeah. and not get to those points. At yeah. some point, there's an innate and natural thing that steps in, you know, could be like just uh, the kinesiology of it, you know, like right. just there are things that are make every person different. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Jalen has that as a scorer. Very smart. I, I mean, I don't know personally, like what yeah. to our volatility index, mm-hmm. is there any risk with Jalen? <sighs> Cause I think it's a I, tough it's, question. It is. It's a really it's a tough, tough question. question, especially depending on where <sighs> you're drafting him. Because like we mentioned, this is a tough top five. Okay. 
So, Corey, gun to your head, right? Mm, yeah. I, I was thinking about this today. What is the biggest factor about Jalen Green that makes him volatile? For me, I would say, can he add 20 pounds or 15 pounds to his frame? I think he can. Like, I, yeah. I, I have a lot I have a lot of F- Filipino friends, and they, they put on weight like it's, <laughs> it's easy, you know? And so I'm, I'm hoping that he can. But that that was kind of what stuck out to me. What, how do you feel? What what do you think is the one thing that might keep him from hitting that potential we're talking about? If I had any fear, mm-hmm. it would be that almost the same fear that you would have or that I had with Lamelo. It's that he goes to an organization that doesn't have a ton of structure mm-hmm. with a coach that I don't know could be like lame duck or just you hand him the keys Mm -hmm. and you put all of this responsibility on him and you just develop really bad habits. You put him and pair him with players that, you know, you want him to advance as a playmaker and it's like, all right, but he doesn't have anybody to playmake to. And you got guys that are clanking it and you just get him to develop really bad habits. Now that would be the risk and my worry. And just trying to think of what spots that could possibly represent, you know, out of places he could possibly go. I mean, right, right now, Houston is just an abomination of a franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I mean, look, Kevin Porter Jr. is hooping, like fucking hooping, but Jesus Christ, sorry to invoke the Lord's name for anybody out there, but (laughs) what on earth, were they doing with their trade and their uh, GM, their their the front office moves? Like, is that mm-hmm. coming from the front office? Is it coming from uh, their idiot owner? I mean, talk about like what was his book called? Like, shut up and uh, listen or something? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shut up and listen. Like, what a dick! <laughs> like, maybe shut up and listen to some people who know how to talk about basketball. Get anything to do with it? He drove that place to the ground. Like, I wouldn't want him to go there. You know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, so to me and look, Kevin Porter Jr. is playing well there. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Wood, Christian Wood. I mean, mm-hmm. guys hooping when he's been on yeah. the court. Yeah. John Wall is still a valuable, I think, mentor. Who knows? I mean, he's probably gonna be there for as long as his contract runs. <laughs> so like, is it fit is not the worst there, but it's just like, you know what they, they just lost 20 games in a row <laughs> i mean yeah. it's like uh you know you you see how frustrated silas you know coach silas is i mean mm-hmm. it's that's not an ideal situation for any of these prospects and mm-hmm. uh man i i feel for for any of the dudes that, <laughs> that have to walk into that situation i think coach silas is i i mean everybody seems to back him nobody everybody has nothing but good things to say so i you know i worry about that from a coaching perspective, but I just think that there's so much turmoil and mm-hmm. bad karma in, with that franchise right now. And eventually John wall is going to not want to deal with this kind of, you know, losing mm-hmm. and, and the West is a, just a, a dog fight God, every year. Yeah. So like it's, that's a bad situation for, I think for any of these prospects, that would be cool. my risk with him. Okay. I have a team for you. Ready? Think about yep. this one. Thought, thought exercise. Okay. Because, I mean, they're probably going to end up in that area. Orlando, okay? RJ Hampton, 
Yeah. Right. Markel Fultz. Yeah. Right. Anthony. Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. Hi, uh, Cole Anthony, too. Yeah. A lot of guards. My guy, Wendell Carter. <laughs> Wendell Carter. How do you feel about Orlando? They might end up there. Uh, I don't mind it as much. Yeah. Steve Clifford's a good coach. He's developed he uh, young guys. I think, you know, Cole is kind of, I think he's kind of similar to, to Jalen. Only Jalen has much better, yeah. you know, measurables and athleticism. Mm-hmm. But at, just stylistically, <laughs> I don't think they're like super far off. I mean, I think Cole's a more natural playmaker. Um, T Rex arms. Yeah, you know, but I, but I think that I think he's looked better than he did at North Carolina. So you know, yeah. I think that they play an NBA game there. I, I mean, Markel, who knows what's going to happen with his injury? Uh, what was it? It was an ACL for Markel. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think and players have had pretty good luck with with that injury. You know, over the last few years, I don't think it's a the death sentence it, it once was. Um, I mean, Jonathan Isaac certainly is a guy that. You know, if he comes back, like he's a he's a monster defender. You know, uh, Okeke's he's a player. I you know I, they got some pieces there. They're far away. I don't. You know, they're one of those teams that at this point they have so many pieces that mm-hmm. it's like eventually you're gonna have to figure out some kind of consolidation thing, and just so there is mm-hmm. a little bit structure and young guys aren't getting geared around. But I think that Jalen is in a tier where he wouldn't have to worry about that as a player and. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Clifford would like him. So I'm not super worried about Orlando. I, I mean, you know, they, they did what they had to do. They had to get out of the treadmill, but uh, mm-hmm. Steve Clifford's a guy who has gotten them further than I think, you know, people expected him to, when he took over, mm-hmm. they did steal those, those game ones. And you know, those two, yeah. uh, those two playoff yeah, series. They did. So. DJ Augustine, <laughs> <laughs> my guy, DJ Augustine, one of the great bulls run. Mm-hmm. Great Chicago okay. bulls run. Corey, did you know, yeah. I think this one's actually interesting. Ready? If so, Toronto right now is probably at like seventh or whatever, but you know, we don't know how the ping pong balls go. Imagine sure. Toronto ends up at like two or three and they get Jalen Green. That could be spicy. Oh, yeah. That would be super yeah. fun. That would yeah. be ridiculously fun. That's that, that's new aged, half man, half amazing. I mean, that's right. kind of like, uh, just from a, like a branding standpoint, you could do some really fun, fun things there. I, Look, Toronto, Masai, um, I think oh, Lowry yeah. will be gone in the offseason, right? But yeah. you still have Van Vliet. You're going to have OG, Pascal. Like, you're still going to have players there. You know, that would that would be fun. And, I, I mean, they just traded Powell. So, you, mm-hmm. I mean, Gary Trent. I like Gary Trent. Um, I do, too. Yeah. But 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 Powell's been – be restricted. He's been unbelievable. Like, as a, he's – I think Kirk Goldsberry put out one of his – shot charts and mm-hmm. Powell's been one of the best point shooters in the league. So Gary Trent has a, you know, he's got some pretty big shoes to fill and, and he, he wasn't really even helping Toronto win all that much with all the, you know, mm-hmm. lineup stuff they've had to deal with. Um, so it's possible they drop even further. Just, you know, they're look, they're a few games ahead of in the win column uh, in front of a lot of these teams. So they could easily find themselves in that, that top group and we know the odds are flattened now. So the chances of a team like that moving up, I mean, they're in seven right now. The bull were in, I think right. they're seven or eight last year and they moved yeah. up. So, uh, and the year before that, the, the Pelicans jumped up all the way to number one, um, you know, so, <laughs> so 
it that's the way the the ball bounces now with the the flattened odds and uh it's certainly possible a team like that mm. uh i <sighs> it's going to be it's going to be interesting it's going to be yeah. interesting man <laughs> um what uh, anything else on uh, on Jalen? Because uh, I I, th- I do think he's a a safe prospect. Like if you're buying in him, I think it's safe to buy stock in him. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that completely out. I think there's too much talent. Um, I, I'm I'll just lay it out right now. I I will say I'm subject to being swayed and having my mind changed as we go through this process, but. I've put Jay. I have Jalen number two on my board. Yeah, dude. I have him number two on my board. It's it's going to be controversial right now because everybody is on the Mobley train, and some people are trying to talk themselves into Mobley at number one. Uh, I just can't get there. I mean, that's out of. Um, I I do think Mobley is a great prospect. Uh, I think I probably have him three right now. Uh, but I, I there's something in Jalen when I was watching him, I just felt was special. I just, I don't know how to quantify it. Just watching him and just the the play style. And I don't know, like, I think the value, let's say that Mobley becomes a uh, Gobert level impact player. Jeez. Okay, so that's big time, right? But let's say that Jalen Green becomes Bradley Beal level impact player. Now you say, well, Gobert is in the West and he's leading his team to the best, you know, record in the, but, but their team's loaded and Washington sucks, but mm-hmm. Bradley Beal in the playoffs has had big moments in the playoffs. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I could see the argument going either way. And I guess the counter would be like, well, what if Mobley is Gobert with more offense? And then you're like, all right, well, this gets it. That gets interesting. And now you're probably talking about Anthony Davis, but, I don't see the Anthony Davis stuff in him. Um, really, I'm really far off on the Anthony Davis comps. Same. Really, really, really far off on yeah. that. I'm not even at Chris Bosch comps. I was mm. watching Chris, I, you know, because I know, you know, we're going to have some, you know, we'll just go into it. Some the NCAA tournament talk. Because uh, mm. Mobley's been, Mobley's been great yeah. in the tournament. Um, but I was watching Chris Bosch highlights today. Mm-hmm. From from Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, yeah, and then and then even early Toronto stuff. It's it's a movement thing. He he just yes. moves so much better. He just moves better, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. I was th- I was thinking like, yo, if Chris Bosh came out as a prospect in in twenty 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 one, are you kidding me? Yeah, are you kidding? I feel like Chris Bosh. I feel like would be like what you want Mobley and James Wiseman to be in like in one player. Like almost, mm. you know, <laughs> maybe not as physically posing as Wiseman was. I, I, mm. I think Wiseman's a little taller, but like stylistically. Uh, but yeah, Mobley's in the in the tournament. You know, yeah, Mobley Mobley's look good, hmm. right? I think okay. The truth of the matter is, Corey, if it wasn't for the blood clot thing, Chris Bosh would still be playing now, which yeah. is so freaking yes. sad. You know, because he you we saw it, dude. He was evolving his game. He was starting to stretch it out to three point, you know, the three point line. He I think yeah. he'd definitely still be playing today. Uh yeah, like he LeBron. Could, he always he bench minutes for sure. Oh yeah, dude. And he he'd was be giving bench he, minutes he, for sure on a contender. He was always in 
he's always in great shape. So, you know, I, I think yeah. Chris Bosch would have been great. Um, one last thing on the, on the green thing. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm at a point where I, I like betting on wings and guards more than betting on bigs. Um, mm-hmm. For me, um, Mobley isn't even close to AD in terms of how AD moves, even in college. Um, but at the same time, like what Mobley's doing in the tournament right now is pretty sick too. Cause like, to be honest, it doesn't even feel like he's trying. Like that that <laughs> yeah. game against Can- that game against Kansas, like it just looked like he was like effing around and he was just doing everything. Like you saw the full gamut of what he can do, um, not just the scoring or the defense, but everything. Like he, the shot blocking is great, the rim protection is great, and I think that's what's scary about him. But also, he has like offensive stuff so it's like yeah he does i think i think what you said about like if rudy gobert had offense is kind of what you might end up getting with evan mobley and if that's true like that's sick that's actually freaking sick um so yeah i i I 100 agree with you on that one um but yeah for me i have i have jalen green too because um if i was sitting at number two and i was like weighing things i'd be like dude if Jalen Green can be Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Zach Levine level of a scorer and playmaker and all that, like I sign up for that yesterday. You have to. Yeah. You have to because the the talk that we had last time about drafting philosophy and you know, having to swing for the fences, I understand Mobley is a great prospect, right? Mm-hmm. But we look at the league now and you need guards and wings and you need them to do a lot of different things. And I think eventually Jalen Green can do incredible things on both sides of the floor and do them really freaking well and so that's why and and that x factor x factor wow factor that you're talking about i think that's a part of it too so for me you have to take that gamble and so on my board too he's firmly at number two not to say that like evan mobley's not in this discussion for it but at least for me i would have jalen firmly at number two right now yeah i I mean he's pretty firm there for me right now as well i mean i got to see I'd have to see Mobley do some stuff he hasn't done yet on offense to okay, yeah. to move him. You know, I see cause again, like forget AD. I've seen people compare him to Kevin Garnett and like, yeah. it's, like these are all time great guys that you're comparing him to. Like I'm comparing Jalen Green to Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, not Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant and Michael Jordan. You know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm not like this, yeah. like Mobley is getting compared to Hall of Fame like top 15 all-time players. Yeah. Right, right, right. That are That's some big shoes to fill. I mean, look, mm-hmm. if we're going to say who is a better prospect coming out of college, Evan Mobley or Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. I think most people would have said Towns. Mm-hmm. Towns was a pretty unanimous number one guy that year. You know, that was a pretty unanimous thing. Yeah. And you see, like, it's not just as easy. And he was a guy that people were like, he's going to be this great defender. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have the offense to go with it. And, you know, it hasn't exactly worked out. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. I probably feel safer defensively with Mobley um, than I did, you know, I do with with Towns just because you know, Mobley is just longer and a little bit fluid, but like on the flip side, he's nowhere near towns as an offensive prospect. And, right. you know, we, we could weigh how valuable that is, I guess, coming from the big position, but mm. I don't know. It's just, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's a hard decision for whoever's got to make it. Um, but for me, I, I Jalen just, 
there was something when I watched Jalen, I went, wow, that when I watched Mobley, I didn't. And I know that other people have that wow moment with Mobley. Um, but I had it with Jalen. And for me, just that was, I, I just, every time I watched him, I was like, oh, I want to watch more. When's I want to watch the next game. I, I want to see what he did. What else is he going to do? Um, and as good as he was, he still has a ton of room to grow. Okay, but, Corey, this is one way, this is one way to think about it. I think in an ideal world, Carl Anthony Towns should be a number two on a, on, on a title contending team. And yeah. if you're saying that Evan Mobley, like you want him to get to that level, then ultimately you're betting on a guy to be a fantastic number two. The upside of a Jalen Green is that he could be a number one, like an yeah. absolute bona fide number one. And that's that's where I find the difference in the two in the two prospects and why I have to go Jalen Green. Because my thing is, if there's a chance for you at number two to grab a guy to be your number one option to take you to a chip one day, you have to take that swing. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I that that's the difference for me. And so that's and you know I am. And, um, you you know what's interesting about that. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like one won't succeed without the other. You know, where obviously Jalen Green could be a number one, mm-hmm. but he yeah. needs that kind of number two that Evan Mobley is. And yeah. Evan Mobley, I mean, look, I think that he's more in line potentially with a number three option who or maybe a two B rather than a two B yeah. rather than a two A, because his his passing ability is is something that I think bumps him up more than a three. Um, but he needs some, he's going to need somebody that yes. can go be an elite bucket getter. Cause yeah. I, I mean, look, Anthony Davis, generational guy. He couldn't as a number one option, he could not lead his team. You know, he, he far into the playoffs. He had, he had what two playoff appearances with the Pelicans and one, mm-hmm. one win. And uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that can be attributed. I mean, he was a beast. So I, a lot of yeah. it could be attributed to him, but also drew holiday played world-class defense on Damian Lillard, that, that series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if Anthony Davis is the ultimate best case scenario, uh-huh. because fuck off. If you're telling me that he <laughs> could, he can get past that. Like just right. fuck off. Yeah. Then, what he needs is a legitimate number one mm-hmm. option. Um, so right. there is a little bit of that, you know, that duality between them that they they <laughs> kind of need a player of that ilk to to pair with right. them. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting. That's going to be an interesting debate. And uh, you know, w- one of the things I know you wanted to talk about because it's clearly going to be a part of the conversation too is is the Cade stuff. Mm-hmm. you know to go on go on a little cade rant if, if you have it this is my rant and it's really simple for the people out there who are going to come at us or come on twitter and be like yeah like look what Cade did in the in in the tournament are we sure he's a number one if those words are coming out of your mouth then i'm immediately canceling you because my thing is that just means you didn't watch him all season long. You didn't even watch the the uh, pre tournament tournament when like that game against Alabama. Like, are you kidding me? Like, th- you you just haven't been watching. No, not Alabama. What was the team? I forgot who they played. But my thing is, it you just haven't watched them play. Maybe it was ba- it was the Baylor game. But it's like this guy was freaking amazing. 
Like for me, we just went on an hour long rant talking mm. about how much we love Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, right? We we freaking praise them to death. And yet for me, Cade is still a level, a level above them because yeah. Cade is a freaking monster. And like, forget about like, okay, number one, my favorite thing about Cade, killer instinct. That guy is a natural born killer. He's a, yep. he's a hunter gatherer. That's, <laughs> that's freaking Cade Cunningham. Number two, I love his jump shot. I think his jump shot is only going to get better. And if he's shooting it that well now, forget about it. Like truly forget about it. I really think he's going to blossom into an amazing, amazing shooter. I'm not, obviously I'm not saying he's some sniper like Corey, Corey Kispert or whatever, but if you consider all of that and his passing, his playmaking, dude, there's no conversation here. Cade is a great, great player. Like I, I don't even have a comp in my brain for who I think Cade's going to be. Like I've really tried to rack my brain and try to find somebody. <laughs> I can't, I really freaking can't. And I cannot wait to see. And also another, my last thing, he played he played on Oklahoma State with a lot of guys who are really trying to play above their levels and play play above their heads. Cade's not going to play with those guys anymore. Nope. Cade's going to play with NBA level players and athletes and once you see that all the haters out there are going to be silenced because Cade yeah. is going to freaking kick ass in the NBA. So that's my little rant. I think it's really silly that people are taking two games from the tourney and not looking at his whole body of work in college and you hey look we just said that Jalen Green played like really tough competition or whatever. But like I, I go back to that Baylor game. I thought he had an unbelievable game against guys like Davion Mitchell and who's the other kid on um, on Baylor that's really good? Jared Butler. Jared Butler. Butler. Those are two. Those are NBA prospects, and he he played really freaking well against them. I I love Cade. I freaking love Cade. And if you are nitpicking on Cade after two games, you just haven't been watching. <laughs> good rant. Good rant. Yeah. No, I mean, you make a good point about, you know, the type of players that he's playing with. If you switched Cade and Jalen Suggs and you put Cade on Gonzaga, uh, it would be Jalen Suggs is fucking awesome. But yeah. it would be they'd be I don't know, the best column of all time. I don't know. You know, like I, <laughs> it would be stupid. The thing about Cade's playmaking, you look and we're going to have a, a, a whole episode dedicated to Cade. So we're only you know, we're just kind of riffing here. Look, Cade, every time there was a ball screen, there were two to three guys smothering him, you know, and he, to release it to these guys that aren't as good. If he's if he's releasing it to, you know, Corey Kispert instead, there's an issue because you got guys that are knocking shots down at an elite rate. So I, I'm with you, man. Cade is clearly the number one for me. You know, I've always thought that comp wise and, and I'm not saying that he is going to be as good as as the combination of the two, but, but stylistically to me, he reminds me of the love child of Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic. Uh, he's got the one-on-one ISO breakdown ability of, of Tatum um, and, and kind of the vision of Luka. Now the area where Luka has him is just ball handling is on another level. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, again, we'll go into Cade in depth uh, eventually, but yeah, man, Cade, uh, there's a lot of talk. Mobley over Cade, this guy over Cade. And it's just like, can we just learn our lesson? Yeah. Like, we did enough. this. Oh, he's slow. He's slow. <laughs> and and I always say this. This it's one of my favorite, you know, phrases. Like when you think game fast, you can play the game slow. It is a Chris mm-hmm. Paul specialty. 
Chris Paul is the slowest player in the NBA at this point, probably. Like this dude mm-hmm. tears you Walks. apart, mm-hmm. walking the ball wherever he wants, <laughs> just tears you apart because he already knows what to do. And Cade's not there yet from a mental perspective, but like he will, he'll he'll get to a level where he does that. That's you know Luca is. It's where Lamelo yeah. is, and like we learned the lesson with. Luca, we said he was slow and he was this and that, and he came in and had an impact right away. Six eight, primary initiator who could score. We tried to, myself included, you know, convince ourselves all these reasons that Lamelo may not succeed in the NBA. He got to the NBA and he was able to succeed. We can we learn our lesson and just let mm-hmm. Cade be the number one pick without having a conversation about it. That's my rant. Let's uh, let's move let's move on. You you mentioned the Baylor guys, Davion Mitchell, dude's a beast. Yeah. We're, we got to fire through these because we've been going for like an hour, yeah, yeah. hour 10 already. Davion Mitchell, I love the kid. Uh, I think I like him better than uh, Butler. You know, there, there are things that Same. as a prospect, um, you know, I'm worried he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. Mm-hmm. With a guy with his burst and, and, and speed and strength, you know, you wonder why he isn't getting to the line more. Um, but his improved shooting, unbelievable. I mean, he, he, Look, this is not an original thought. A lot of people have said it, and it's because it's painfully obvious. I mean, NBA players are doing it for God's sake. Like he looks yeah. like like a, a, a like a, a Mitchell clone, like a like a Donovan Mitchell clone, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's a great thing, right? Going into a, a draft, yeah. you know, he's a little old. That's why he's probably going to get drafted in, in the twenties. But he did a lot for his, his stock this year, and he's a first round guy. Um, you know, a, another guard, and this is this is who I was referring to earlier when I said he kind of reminds me of Kobe White a little bit. In the situation, Trey Mann, you know, hit a big mm-hmm. shot, really kind of helped himself out in the tournament. Um, really like his game. I think that he's a better ball handler than Kobe White is. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think he has that going for him. But, you know, point guards like him are tough and they're tricky because it's that position is the most loaded position in the league. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, compare him to like Darius Garland. And it's mm-hmm. like, as a prospect, Darius Garland struggled. He's actually played pretty well this considering like offensively. Mm-hmm. He's growing. But it, right. It's like, but where is Darius Garland rank amongst guards in the league? Yeah. Like not high. You know, I was like, <laughs> so a guy, a guy like Trey Mann, like how, where does he have to get to? to even mm-hmm. be a top 30 guy at his position. Uh, mm-hmm. And granted, you know, I'm going to go break down his, you know, watch his games way more intently when it's time for Same. us to talk about him. But those kind of guards, it's, it's really hard, you know, like, yeah. Uh, is he as good a prospect as Kobe white was? And, and look at Kobe white, like Kobe white's not a starting level player right now. Mm-hmm. He could be one day maybe, um, but like, he's not a starting level player on a good team. So those kind of guards, and even, you know, Davion Mitchell too, like, you know, like it's, it's going to be hard for him to be a starting level player in the NBA. He right. obviously he could be, um, but those kind of point guards tricky, man. It, it, you really have to, you really have to be special to, to be a top tier yeah. NBA point guard. It's, it's just a loaded, 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 loaded position. And it seems like every year it's, it's not slowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so Cam Thomas, you want you know, yes. on the note you said uh, you me. need me tell to me. sell you on Cam Thomas. I don't think I can. 
All right, there it is. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not sure I can. I he I think he's very clearly a, a he is what he is guy. I think he helped his draft stock with his mm. his play this year. Uh, he's a bucket. Um, mm. he that dude can score, man. He he puts the ball in the hole. He hits tough shots. Mm. He is almost like the guy that Jalen Green isn't. You know, he is like the the what if Jalen Green turned out bad, but like he's not athletic. He doesn't pass mm. the ball. He's not a good mm. defender. He mm. just scores the rock really, really effortlessly. And he hits mm. tough shots, crazy range. He gets to the line, which I love about him. But mm. at the end of the day, if he doesn't learn how to do the other stuff, mm-hmm. then he's a spark plug off the bench. And mm. that's not a bad thing. Like he could be, he could, he can be a guy who bounces around early and then goes on to be Jordan Clarkson and play a, an integral role on a good team. Um, mm. Or, you know, he can go and be Monte Ellis. I don't know. Like he could be, which is not a good thing. Uh, so mm. I, there's not much to sell on. He's, he's very, if I had Cam Thomas stock right now mm-hmm. and I bought it early on, and I watched mm. it rise. I would sell, sell it. Now. Yeah, I would sell it at its peak. Yeah. yeah. He's got crazy combo moves. He's got great footwork. He could score. I'm not yeah. sure about the other parts of his game growing, and he's going to have to go to a good situation. But the dude the dude could score. Ready, ready for this one? I watched Cam yeah. Thomas. He reminds me of Marshawn Brooks. And I'll okay. pass on that. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> not Kobe. interested. Yeah, you know, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Kobe. Like, I, I, I get Man, it. I love like, Marshawn. <laughs> I, I, you know, I really believed in him and I thought he'd figure it out, figure it out. But it's like, that's my thing. Like there, as you mentioned, I feel like there's a ceiling on Cam Thomas that I'm not really interested, you know? And, and so on the other hand, a guy that I'll talk about really quickly that I freaking love He's 23 years old, so his obviously his his draft stock's going to drop a little bit. Chris Duarte, Oregon. Mm. I love, I freaking love that dude. Six six guard. I love his length. I love his ball handling. I love that he can take and make tough shots. I love what he can do in the pick and roll. I mean, obviously, like they don't run like a ton of it. Maybe I, I just haven't seen enough, but I love Chris Duarte and he's the exact type of guy that you would love to have on like a competitive team because he's one of those guys like kind of like a little bit different because I think he's a better better ball handler than this guy, but like like a Dylan Brooks type of guy. You know, mm. he's strong, sturdy, can shoot, reliable type of guy. That's yeah. how I see Chris Duarte, but with more ball handling. So I love Chris Duarte. And the last guy that I'll talk about, well, two things. Davion Mitchell, I get everyone says Donovan Mitchell. When I see him shoot, he reminds me of Kemba a little bit. Not to, okay. Obviously, like not the ball handler, anything like that. Just the jump shot reminds yep. me a little bit of a Kemba. The last guy I want to talk about, uh, oh damn it, there's two, whatever. Franz Wagner, mm. he he reminds me of if you took Joe Ingles and like made him better. It's kind of like what I think. Joe Ingles Franz is going to set Wagner. the Joe Ingles oh, yeah, is going to no. set like the true shooting percentage record this year. So Dude. it's he's it's going to be. <laughs> I freaking love Joe Ingles, but I'm saying like <laughs> Wagner considering yeah. his age and his mobility yep. and like what he can do defensively. Like, I think there's a lot of versatility to him that I love. Yeah. All right. One last one. One last one. Ayayi Gonzaga. I love that mm-hmm. dude. I freaking love that dude. And I'll stop there. Yeah. No, it's easy to see him uh, as a role player at the next level who can just like be athletic, defend, yes. knock down shots, cut, like slide in. 
it, like he could find a role. I think all the guys you kind of talked about. I, Duarte is, is intriguing, you know, mm. guys, you mentioned, uh, I, I like Oregon guys and Me too. he does have, I, I like that he's athletic. And he has good size. I don't care about the age, whatever. Like if you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to be the cornerstone of your franchise. You're drafting him to, you know, come in and make your team better and play a role. So yes. you know what you're getting in him. And I could definitely see that if the shooting's legit, mm-hmm. um, like it has like, you know, this year, then mm-hmm. he's a guy that has the rest of the tools to be a high level role player eventually in the NBA. So, you know, he, you know, he, uh, he seems like a Memphis Grizzlies guy. You know, yeah. He seems like Damn the type, the type of, he seems like the kind of guy they would draft uh, yeah. on Franz, you know, our guy, Tommy D mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he, his metric loves Franz. And I know that, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that, um, most of the advanced metrics really, really love. So you could see why he's smart, knockdown shots. Yes. Just does a whole bunch of things like almost like rich man's Chandler Parsons kind of like, Ooh, Alan, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, he's going to be a guy that like really good. I think, I think it's going to mm-hmm. translate into the league and, you know, good, got, got some good coaching. So, you know, uh, I love I love the white guy uh, comps that we came up with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, sometimes it's just easy to do the white guy to white guy thing. <laughs> but he's good. I, I, for our listeners out there, I hope you guys understand. Like, we really like Franz. I, I love him, dude. I love him. Yeah. He, yeah. I, <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> all right. We'll break down all those guys more in different points you know even if we don't do individual episodes for them we'll have you know different things where we could fit them in and and a little bit more than just like one or two minutes like we did here and really get into Mm -hmm. depth of of their strengths and weaknesses but uh i think that's going to be it for uh for this episode um so albert tell tell the people where they can find you Oh, you work. Well, you're, you're going to find me on this pod every single week. And I'm, I'm excited to keep coming to keep, we just want to bring you guys good. You know what I realized, Corey, you know what our pod is about. Our pod is for everyone out there to sound smart in your group chats. Everyone (laughs) in a couple of months, you guys are going to be talking about the draft and you're going to want to sound smart amongst your friends. Listen to the draft Act pod and you are going to be so smart in your group chats. They're going to be like, damn, bro, do you watch college tape? And you can just lie <laughs> and be like, yeah, I do because I of the do. stuff that we're teaching you guys. All right. So that's what we, you can find me on Twitter, guys. I ha- I don't have a lot of followers. We're going to change that. Let's right? get that up, man. Yeah. Come on, guys. Follow me uh, at Albert O. Gim at gmail.com. The, the toe is like the toe on your foot. So Albert O. E. Gim at, did I say gmail.com? That's my email. What's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, it's my Twitter handle. Anyway, uh, that's where you guys can find me. <laughs> Yeah, I <laughs> don't email. <laughs> don't email him spam. Don't email him spam. <laughs> you know what? I don't have I don't have as many Twitter followers as I'd like either. But uh, so but I think we'll we'll get that up there eventually too. Let's get both of our Twitter followers up. You're probably following us both if you listen to this podcast. So no. uh, tell your friends. Um, but you can find me at Hardwood Herald. Uh, might be seeing a slight change to that handle pretty soon. Slight, slight change, slight change, nothing crazy, but you might see a slight change pretty, pretty soon within the next uh, month, month and a half or so. Um, You can uh, check out my YouTube, just hit 2000 subscribers on YouTube. 
which is really cool. Just dropped the Jalen Green uh, breakdown really in depth. I think one of my favorite that I've ever done uh, for multiple reasons. Again, I love Jalen as a prospect. I think I went, I fully went ham on the graphics. I threw in Mm. some, some NBA jam sound effects. Uh, I really had fun with this one. So uh, watch that, share it. And then uh, guys, please share this podcast with your friends. So you can sound sounds. uh, So you could all be smart in your group chat. There's not going to be a lot of, uh, Chicago Bulls fans who need to listen mm. to this podcast this year because we don't have a draft pick because we just traded for All Star uh, Nick Vucevic. Ooh. But um, yeah, please uh, you know subscribe, rate, leave a comment. All that stuff is, is helpful. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, listening every week, uh, having a ton of fun doing this for everybody. You can follow me again at Hardwood Herald. Search YouTube Hardwood Herald. Uh, and uh, yeah, we did it. Great episode. And we'll be back next week to, uh, I don't know who we're going to talk about yet, but we're going to have, uh, we should be having uh, a, a guest and uh, Let's go. we're going to have another great episode next week. So until then, guys, peace. Peace.